Well, if you, uh, if you missed last week or if today is your first Sunday with us, we're certainly glad that you're with us. Um, but I want to fill you in just real quick on, on what we're doing, what we're thinking about this month. We are in a four-week series uh, brought directly out of the book uh, or the, the letter to the It's amazing what it can do for someone else when you let them know that you are thankful for them, that you appreciate them. Well, this week we're going to look at another principle together. From Paul's letter to the Philippian Christians. But before we do, I want to ask you a question. And I think in all likelihood, the answer is going to be yes for just about every one of us. But I want you to think about this. Have you ever had, had a discussion with a friend or maybe your spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever it happens to be, that started out as a discussion where you, you didn't necessarily agree with each other. Actually, we, maybe we could call it a disagreement instead of a discussion, but it started out all right. You were disagreeing with each other. It seemed like you were maybe trying to find common ground, and then one of you said something that kind of put the other one off, and then that other one came back, or maybe you came back at them, and you said something kind of trying to, to, to get back a little bit at what the other person said to you, and pretty soon, before you know it, you're not arguing about what you started talking about at first. You're now arguing about the way you were arguing. Right? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where you've had that argument, that disagreement, that descended to the place where you're now talking about the fact that you don't like the way the other person is arguing with you? Well, you're not really good at disagreeing. You're a bad arguer. That was a low blow. That's not fair. You can't fight like that. And pretty soon you can't even remember what it was that you were first arguing about. I think back to about, probably about 12 years ago, um, I had a great friend, uh, a guy named Matt, and uh, he shared this story before, and I've shared this story before as well, just to kind of illustrate this point. Matt and I were, were really good buddies. In fact, we played on the same soccer team in college, and what was wild, we both ended up in youth ministry in Florida, about two and a half hours separated from each other. So we would get together. We both had a love for fishing. And, and so we would do that on our days off. We would plan those days off ahead of time. And we, for about the first two years I was in Florida, we just, we had a blast fishing with each other on, on a regular basis. Probably once every two weeks, we'd get together. I'd come over to his place. He'd come over to mine. And, uh, and oftentimes, because it was two and a half hour drive, you know, we'd go over the night before. We'd spend the night at, at each other's homes and, and just enjoy each other's company and the friendship that came with it. I remember one time we went out, and, and, and um, you know, if you've ever been out deep sea fishing, if you've gone with a guide, they've got all these spots, and they're wildly protective of their spots because most of the bottom of the ocean is sand, and fish don't really care to live where it's just sand, and so they've got these little places that they live where maybe there's been a, a shipwreck that happened, or, or there was just a, you know, an area where there's limestone that happens to be there, and there's a reef, but they don't live in other places, and so you're pretty, pretty protective of your spots once you get them. And so I had gotten a couple of spots built up, and I was starting to catch some fish, and we had my family coming down in a few weeks, and I had been catching these fish and stocking my freezer full of fish, and, and I'd had some really good trips, and so I kind of, you know, bragged about it a little to Matt when he came over, how well we'd been doing recently, and how I was just stacking my freezer full of fish, and it was great. Well, I'd taken him to a couple spots, and we did really well also, and so we get back, and, you know, fillet and clean the fish. And, and we did what we always did. We, we split the fish up, you know, half, half seas, basically. 
and, and Matt asked if he could have some more fish, that, you know, and, and I said, no, I mean, we, we split the fish halfway. This is what we do with the gas bill, too. We always, we split the fish halfway, we split the gas bill halfway, that's, that's just the way it goes. And Matt said, well, that's pretty selfish of you. You just told me how you've got this freezer full of fish. And I don't have any fish right now except for the fish that you're about to give me right now, so could you let me have some more? Like, no, ma'am, I've got my family coming down. I've been stocking up fish in my freezer for a while. Remember, I bragged about it earlier, so I messed that up already by bragging on that. And again, he, he calls me selfish. And before I know it, we are going at each other. And I'm angry because he's called me selfish, and he's angry because he thinks I am selfish. And it's not about the fish, and it's not about being buddies anymore. Now it's about being right. And it's about winning this argument. Attitude of Jesus, if we can embrace humility, humility will build community and relationships. Let's listen to what he has to say. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being, in one, being one in spirit and one of mind. Now listen to his words here. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of the others in your relationships have the same mindset as Christ Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Well, let's spend just a few minutes unpacking these 11 verses and what the Apostle Paul challenges us and then what he says about Jesus as well. Again, Paul says, if you've got any encouragement from being united with Christ, if that exists, and I think that's true for those of us who've been following Jesus, we are encouraged by being united with Christ. We have an incredible hope that we did not have before. So before we knew Jesus, we acknowledged about ourselves we were lost and we were hopeless and we were helpless. Now we're united with Jesus and we've got this incredible hope, so we should be encouraged. So Paul says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if there's any comfort from knowing that he loves you, if there's any common sharing, now he starts to bring in the relational factor as a community. If you have any common sharing in his spirit, in fact, that's where we get the title for this message series, Shared. He says, any common sharing in the spirit, any 
tenderness and compassion, then here's what I'm asking you to do. And let me tell you what it will do. If you say yes to this, the Apostle Paul says, it will make my joy complete. It'll make my joy complete. So if we were to ask the Apostle Paul the question, Paul, what would make your joy complete? His answer would be, if the people of God in Philippi, and I bet beyond that, if the people of God worldwide would come together, be united in spirit, would show their love for each other, that tenderness and compassion would what we would see, what we would see in the church everywhere as, as the people of God engaged with each other, that would make my joy complete the Apostle Paul would say. Then he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Instead, here's what I want you to do. Take, take the selfish ambition, take the vain conceit, take the pride, and replace it with humility. The kind of humility in which you would value others above yourself, not looking to just your own interests, but looking out for others. So, so this is what he wants us to do, to replace pride and selfish ambition and vain conceit with the attitude of Jesus. I want to stand out. I'm worried about myself. I'm not so worried about others. I take pride in myself and in the good things I do, which means that selfish ambition often leads people to say things like this, look at me. Pay attention to what I'm doing. I need you to see the good things I do. I need you to see how great I am. And there are times when it's okay to say, hey, listen, I, I want you to see what I've done as an example as I follow Jesus. Even the Apostle Paul says that. 1 Corinthians 11, he says, listen, I want you to imitate me as I imitate Christ. There are times where, where that is okay. But predominantly, this attitude where we're asking, our, we're asking other people to look at us is not what we are to be about as Christ followers. And then oftentimes, selfish ambition is also characterized by rivalry. When we embrace the look-at-me attitude, anytime we see others looking at someone else, we've got to up our game a notch. And we've got to cry out just a little bit more loudly no, 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 don't look at them, look at me. Remember, you're supposed to look at me. Don't pay attention to what's going on over there. Don't pay attention to what good thing Joe did or what Susie did. Look at me, because I'm doing better things. So pay attention to me. I get the accolades here. What humility does, on the other hand, instead of embracing individualism, Humility actually values others above ourselves. It's the choice to value someone else above yourself. Individualism leads to the belief that I am the most important person in the room. I'm the most important person in the conversation. My feelings matter the most. But Paul says, instead of seeking your individual good, Value others above yourself. He also says that we ought to not look only to our own interests. Depending on the translation that you read, the NIV says don't look to your interests at all, but look 
to the interest of others. Others will say, don't look to your interest alone or interest only. And that probably actually is a little bit better translation. There's an acknowledgement that you're going to have to look after your own interests at times. If you don't do that, you'll become a burden on other people. But don't look to your own interests alone. Have your eyes open to what other people need. Be sensitive to the needs of others. And then the last thing that the Apostle Paul says, again, is that we ought to be looking to others. So instead of only looking at ourselves, or instead of declaring that I'm the best and everybody should pay attention to me, we're valuing others above ourselves. Instead of saying, look at me, we're looking to the interest of others as well. Instead of engaging in rivalry, instead of pointing at myself, I'm pointing at others in a good way for the right reasons. And then the example that Paul gives us so that we'll understand just how far we ought to go with this kind of thinking is the example of Jesus himself. So Paul kind of he drops the heavy. He says, listen, I'm going to tell you exactly how Jesus did this, and, and that is our model. He is our example, and so we ought to look like Jesus as we pursue this attitude of humility that will build community and relationships as we, as we say no to pride and no to selfish ambition and no to vain conceit. Let's consider Jesus. Let's think about him for a minute. Since he is intended to be our example, since we are disciples of his, what should we do? Well, the first thing that Paul tells us about Jesus again is that Jesus was fully God, and with that come every divine privilege. Fully God. As the Creator, it is His right to decide what creation ought to do and how creation ought to live and how creation ought to be. It is his right to be the ruler of all things as creator, as divine. Every divine privilege that belongs to God belongs to Jesus. Every. All authority, all power, all dominion, all of it belongs to Jesus. But Paul tells us that he was willing to give that up and set it aside. Also, as part of that, Jesus was not bound by human form. Think of all the omnis that we put with God. Omnipotent, all-powerful. All-powerful. Omnipresent everywhere able to be everywhere at once omniscient knows everything sees everything but when jesus stepped into the human form we get the sense fairly clearly as you read the gospels that some of those things were no longer true or not always true about him there are times when Jesus says, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Only the Father knows the answer to that question. I don't know, but I'm still 100% God. 
but I'm also 100% human. I've stepped into this form where I can no longer know some of the things that my Father knows. Jesus had to walk from place to place, and if he was lucky, ride a donkey from time to time. Jesus had to walk from place to place just like everyone else in his day did. He didn't just think it and show up somewhere. He took on all the restrictions of the human form, including the ability to feel pain and to be tempted by sin, to experience hunger for food, all of the things that we feel as human beings. Good things and the bad things, Jesus said yes to him on our behalf. And he let go of a whole bunch of things that were his by right as well to say yes to the human experience. But then if we think even one step further, even in human form, again, he still was 100% God. So even in human form, as Jesus was walking around, he still was 100% God. Authority still dwelt within him. And there were many times when the crowds were amazed by his teaching. Why? Because he taught as one who had authority, not just one who was guessing it and trying to figure it out as he went along. He knew. And there were opportunities when Jesus had crowds who followed him. Those crowds were so large, and they were willing to kind of start a rebellion in his name against the Romans who had occupied them for a number of years. And Jesus, if he wanted to, like many others in his day, in his time period did, could have taken up arms against the Romans and tried to foment a rebellion. And he could have allowed them to make him king. In fact, they tried to make him king. And Jesus could have said yes to that. The crowds weren't the only ones that came to Jesus and offered him the ability or the opportunity to be king among them. Satan did as well. of Jesus, all of these things he was willing to do on our behalf are supposed to influence the way you and I embrace the attitude of humility as it relates to each other. When we see Jesus willing to give up divine privileges, we're supposed to look at ourselves and we're supposed to ask ourselves the question, am I willing to give up my privileges for the sake of another? The things I have earned, the things that by right belong to me, my stuff, my finances, my time, my what am I willing to give it up for the sake of another? Am I willing to become a servant for the sake of another when maybe my position, maybe you're, maybe you're the boss at work, and maybe all other bosses around you lord it over their employees? But maybe God is calling you to be willing to set aside some of that authority at times and become relational with the people that you lead for their sake. And maybe even to serve them from time to time in love. I want you to see because this, these words affected the Apostle Paul on a deep level. So much so that it's just a chapter later when he explains how this impacts him. The Philippian church w was dealing with a, a struggle of division on some levels. 
There, there were those who had come in and were trying to say, look, to, to be a Christian, this, this is exactly what you have to do. You've got, you got to be this way. And there, we talked about this before. There were the Judaizing teachers who were infiltrating some of the churches that Paul had established on some of his mission, mission, missionary journeys. And they were there, and they, they were causing, they were driving a wedge between people. And it was a wedge based on pride and privilege and standing and all of that. On position and status. And Paul says that doesn't work. In fact, that's going to kill this community if that's the way we proceed. We have to stop this. And so Paul gives an example of himself. He says, look, if anyone thinks, if someone else thinks, they have reason, this is the next chapter, Philippians 3, 4 and at 4 through 8, if someone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, in who they are, I have more. And he's now speaking specific to, specifically to any Jewish influence, Old Covenant influence that exists in that community. He says, let me tell you about myself. I was circumcised on the eighth day, just like all the good Jewish boys were. Of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, I can go back and tell you my lineage. A Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, he says. A position of influence within that Jewish community. A Pharisee as... As for zeal persecuting the church, so I was more zealous than anyone else. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. I kept all the commandments. You couldn't lay any blame on me, Paul says. But listen to these words. He says, for the sake of this community and engaging like Jesus, here's what I've done. He says, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. So we're seeing the impact these words have on the Apostle Paul, and this is the same type of impact he wants them to have on us. He says, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage. All my accomplishments, all my position, all my power, Everything that should have been mine by right, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And so as we see Paul's example, as he shares with us Jesus' example, as he shares with us a challenge, I think here is that challenge in a nutshell. It's that in our relationships with others, and this is principle two out of the Philippian letter, in our relationships with others, as we seek to build community, let's embrace the power of humility as reflected in Jesus' character wherever we are and especially within his church. Let's embrace the power of humility. So let me leave you with two questions that I hope will, will take this a step further for you and will move us to the place where we do embrace humility, the power of humility as it, as it relates to building community and relationships. Here are the two questions. What might change in your home your place of work, your small group, your church, your neighborhood, etc. if you valued others above yourself, not looking to your own needs alone, but to the needs of others as well. What might change? And if you participate in a small group and you do the big idea questions every week, you'll be answering this question in small groups, so hopefully it'll get you prepared for this. And the second question is this, and this, we, this is what we learn out of, the, out of Paul's example. This is the question we need to ask ourselves here. What accomplishment, position, or status do you take pride in 
that may act as a barrier to deepening your relationships with others or even beginning new ones for the sake of Jesus. It is my hope that we will embrace the attitude of humility as seen in the example of Jesus, as reflected in the example of Paul as well, that our lives will be examples to others of what it can look like when a community embraces